LeeTDickey.com. What's going on, everybody? Lee Dickey here. Welcome to another episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast, a general interest, entertainment, everyday story, everyday life, everyday people, comedy and entertainment show. Of course, as I said, I am your host, Lee Dickey. This is the Beats and Speaks podcast. Before we get into the bulk of today's show and into this introduction and open, you can find the Beats and Speaks podcast on my official website, LeeTDickey.com, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Like, comment, share, and subscribe, and leave us a review. I will feature it here on the podcast and on my official website. Now today, something different on the Beats and Speaks podcast. I present to you a mini-series, the first in this Star Wars-centric mini-series here on the Beats and Speaks podcast. Now, my first guest in this mini-series is Josh Herring. He is a high school humanities teacher from North Carolina, and we delve into his fandom, where it started, and pretty much we go through the history of the franchise as much as we can in an effort to basically, I suppose, help me understand why this series is, is so popular. And I, I just want to have an appreciation of Star Wars, its fan base, the franchise. Something I've never been able to basically do and or wrap my head around. Because I've personally, I'm not a big fan of Star Wars, but I want to talk to people who are passionate about not only Star Wars, but anything so if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of the beats and speaks podcast send me an email to lee t dickey that's l-e-i-g-h-t-d-i-c-k-e-y at gmail.com shoot me an email and we will set something up set up a time to record so you can be a future guest here on an episode of the beats and speaks podcast again New episodes of the Beats and Speaks podcast go live every single Friday at midnight Eastern time on your preferred podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, and my official website, LeeTDickey.com. You can also subscribe to us, and if you would, please do, on YouTube by searching for Lee Dickey TV. Of course, all those links will be in the description along with my social media links. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Everything will be listed below. But without further ado, let's get into the first episode of this Star Wars miniseries featuring my first guest, Josh Herring, right now on the Beats and Speaks podcast. Hi, this is Josh Herring, and you're listening to Beats and Speaks podcast. Enjoy. First off, I want to like thank you for coming on the show and taking the time to join me today. Um, and for this, I guess you could say like Star Wars miniseries. I'm a guy that knows nothing about Star Wars. Well, I shouldn't say nothing, but like almost next to nothing. And I'm a novice. So I just wanted to talk to fans and see where their fandom started or where like they fell in love with Star Wars. So, um, Josh, why don't you tell my listeners, my audience a little bit about you and uh, where your fandom started. Sure. Well, uh, 
As far as about me, I'm a high school humanities teacher. So uh, particularly this year, I've got an 11th grade literature class. So thinking about stories and how stories are set up and what makes for good stories and bad stories, uh, that, that, that's part of my job this year. So that's, there, there's that side of it. Uh, I'm also also a podcaster. I've got uh, my show is called What's the Res? We do high school debate analysis. So if any listeners want to check that out, they can uh, find us at whatstherez.com or on all the major platforms. But when I'm thinking about when I first uh, became a fan of Star Wars, um, I hadn't I, I thought about that until you said that, but uh, I think it goes back to when I was about three years old. Uh, my parents would have an older lady in our church babysit me. Uh, her name was Juliet Roke. Uh, her husband's name was Dickie. So uh, Juliet and Dickie Roke. And uh, they, I, I'd be over at their house for, you know, four or five hours while my parents did some meeting or something. And uh, they had an old VHS set. It wasn't that old then because this is the very early 90s, like 91, 92, and uh, of the Star Wars movies. So that was just kind of like the regular thing. I'd go to their house and you know how kids are when they find some story that they like. They, they've never satisfied, right? They just want to watch it again and again. Almost, so for me, it's, it's, it's almost obsessive. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that, that's where it started. I, I probably watched those things. I don't know, a dozen times before I was six or seven. And so for, for me, at least star Wars has kind of always been in the background. Um, I, I think there's a lot better reasons than just, Oh, I watched it when I was a kid to like star Wars. But for me, that's, <clears throat> that's probably where it started. Just watching it when I was very little and, and really getting into the story and, even honestly being able to understand the story while not being very old. Like, well, okay. Um, there was, for me, I know myself, like I, I, I don't know whether it was the fact that like, if you give me a star Wars documentary on the behind the scenes stuff, I know I'll watch that. Oh, okay. Right. I like, I like the making of, I'm very much the, I'm not like I, I'm. I've never really gotten immersed in the like the source material because I, I think I heard, I, I saw an interview or heard something where I, George Lucas sort of said, "Yeah, what if we put like a, a an old type of Western film but set it in space?" And I just kind of thought, like, it, where I just kind of thought, like, that'll never work. And here we are, what, forty two years later. Uh, yeah, and it, it clearly, I, I saw a couple years back, apparently, uh, I, I don't remember the actor's name. I'm terrible with actors' names. I remember characters' names, but the, uh, the guy who played Luke Skywalker, apparently he didn't, he didn't actually get any cash for his, uh, his role. He got a percentage, uh, he got like 0.05%. So like five one hundredths of a percent of the profits of the Star Wars franchise was his deal. And he's a gazillionaire because of that. It's it's crazy how successful these have been. Shrewd investment, yeah. Uh, Mark Hamill, I think, is who you're Thank thinking you. of. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm, yeah. The um, now the source material ones. I, I think that's a really interesting part of this, and it it too is I think part of why it's been so successful because part of what George Lucas did was he keyed in on the work that uh, a, a scholar did, kind of outlining this thing called the hero's journey where this particular scholar kind of argued the hero's journey takes place in these six stages and across kind of, and sort of as a, there's a survey of a ton of ancient Greek mythology and then expanded into Roman mythology and literature as well. 
and argued that, look, you can basically reduce this to a formula. So, and this is, and I, I think it's part of George Lucas's genius that he's like, oh, interesting, there's a formula. I can do a formula. And he basically did the formula. So your, your Luke follows the same trajectory of the heroes of ancient Greek and Roman literature, where he's uh, clearly, he, he's already sort of this uh, demigod figure because his father is, of course, a massively powerful Jedi that you later learn is Darth Vader. Sorry for any spoilers, but as you said, it's been 42 years, so I don't think we need to worry about spoilers. Probably but, not. And he, he has a guide figure that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. He has to go through all of these journeys and even eventually including one of the more rare aspects where uh, it's in, uh, the, the Greek here is called it's a katabasis or a descent into hell where the hero will descend to hell, get some wisdom and then rise back to the conflict for and that that's really the the central movie in the original trilogy is all about that descent to hell. It's why Luke spends like an hour on Dagobah training with Yoda. He's there in basically Jedi hell, training with the last remaining Jedi of the previous generation. But then he rises from that, and he's now able to take on his father and eventually defeat the Emperor because of his time there. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it, part of the success of the series is really drawing on uh, some story patterns that have been there for thousands of years but doing it in a way that's kind of neat and cool. And you don't have to know any of that to appreciate the story. Can, can you explain to me, like as somebody who's a complete noob, if you will, or just a complete novice when it comes to Star Wars, like what, what the draw is? Like what, why, what draws you into, like you personally, what would draw you yeah. into the story what what draws you into the franchise or any of the movies or like the video games or the tv shows that they've had so for me it's it's primarily the story itself i usually get and this is where uh the the uh so the the let's let's stick with the movies for a moment then maybe we'll expand mm -hmm. some of the novels and I've not played any of the video games or watched any of the cartoon show like the clone wars shows so i, I don't want to speak to those but um, for me, it's primarily the story, uh, and, and I get kind of focused on these characters. Because in the first story, I mean, you, Luke Skywalker is a very easy character to sympathize with. He, we, we meet him as he's an 18-year-old who's stuck on his uncle's farm. And like, when we immediately meet Luke, he's got dreams of going off to see the world and do big things. And his uncle's kind of like, yeah, those dreams are cool, but... I really need you to stay on the farm. Well, that's already an initially interesting proposition. And then within 10 minutes of the first movie, his uncle is dead. Uh, suddenly Luke is catapulted into galactic politics. And we learn about this ancient order of weird mystical knights called the Jedi who have some undefined ability to move things with their mind. And they also get really cool glowing swords. So we've got an interesting character. We've got strong conflict because we, of course, quickly learned that of these Jedi Knights, there are good guys and there are bad guys. And the good guys were part of the Republic. Well, the Republic was overtaken by the Empire, which also has some nice Roman history tie-ins as well, because the Republic is good and the Empire is bad. No need to really press as to why one is good or one is bad, but the story just presents it that way. 
And then Luke goes on and he's now engaged in this epic struggle to help the, uh, the, the, the freedom fighters in their rebellion against the oppressive tyrannical empire. And as the story goes on, it kind of goes on in two levels. There's the grand epic galactic struggle, but then there's also the close-knit struggle of Luke and his family. As we meet him, he has his last surviving family members are his aunt and uncle. They're dead. Well, by the end of the first or second movie, he learns he has a twin sister, Leia. And by the end of and then he learns that his arch nemesis, Darth Vader, is actually his father. And, and he it, then the story changes into an attempt to redeem the bad guy. Can we somehow find something in Darth Vader, this evil monster, to make into a good guy? Well, because we, the, the watchers or the viewers, we like Luke so much, we want his father to be redeemed. And by the very end, his father sort of apologizes and repents and then dies. Mm-hmm. And it's set up. So, But in the middle of all of this, there's constant exchanges of action and fights, uh, and bo- both on a low, small level where you've got sword fights with glowing lightsabers, and you've got huge space battles with basically space planes. So I think there's a, there's a mixture of action, there's a mixture of character-driven drama, but there's also this kind of grand galactic struggle that now Luke is a part of, and by the end of each movie, the, the movies always end on kind of wrapping up some of the threads, and then, but also leaving several out there for you to come back to the next movie. So they're, they're well done in that sense. Does, 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 that, does that sound like an interesting story or no? It, it does. I mean, I may go back and try and watch a few of the films because, to be honest, I've only seen snippets of, like, the original trilogy because mm-hmm. they're hardly ever run on TV. Um, and I don't own any of the original trilogy on any sort of, like, home media so like vhs beta tapes laser disc or dvd um but yeah they're, they're not necessarily easy to find anymore either i know my wife bought them for me a couple years ago for my birthday and she had to she was it took her uh probably an hour to find a good spot good source that was selling the original movies on dvd oh well, like well because i i know for me like the I suppose the first film, can I ask how old you are? Uh, I'm, I'm 30. Okay. Yeah. You and I are the same age. So I like the first film that I remember coming out in our lifetimes was, was it the Phantom Menace? I think. Oh man. I think that, I think that would have been like 1999 or something. Okay. And I remember like it was one day for or one year for Christmas where I think one of my relatives got me the Phantom Menace on VHS. I think I still have the tape. It's down in my basement somewhere uh, collecting dust, I regrettably say. But um, I looked at it. I opened it. Tried to watch it. I think I made it like 20 minutes. And then I was like, I can't. Yeah, not not every movie is rewatchable. Um, I mean, there are there are plenty of movies that are just so cringy now that were that were big sellers when they first came out. Um, I think there's there's something about Star Wars that seems to well, and uh, you know, one other thing that I think probably drives its current appeal, um, 
at least I know now my dad does not watch fantasy, science fiction, uh, really even reading fiction is not his thing. He, he likes more factual uh, news based kind of things and current action thrillers for his movies. Yeah. But for him, like he remembers there just being this huge hype in the, I think early eighties when the star Wars original trilogy came out. Um, those, movies were it was just this cultural thing where everybody went and saw those movies kind of like the marvel avengers movies are today yeah, for nowadays. like current high school everybody saw endgame it was one of those biggest record-breaking movies of all time mm-hmm. well star wars was that but when the new ones come out i think they're also they're capitalizing on a lot of parent nostalgia yeah. so i think my for my dad uh he didn't really have any interest in the movies themselves but he would go see it just to see where this thing that was there when he was a teenager has gone to now. And I know yeah. there's a lot of, I heard a lot of parents when the, the last Disney one came out or the, the, the JJ Abrams one, the, um, the first of the newest trilogy came out. Rogue there's one, a lot of I think, that, yeah. Yeah. Cause parents want to share this with their kids. So like that, that's also part of the story. I think. I, you know, well, okay. Let's, since we're talking about the current films, have, I'm assuming you've seen the current films. I have, yeah. So what do you think of this whole, the House of Mouse, the Disneyfied versions of uh, Star Wars? Um, well, I think the, so far with the, the and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the, the first one of the, the new trilogy, but. Rogue um, One, I, I think. Yes. Wait, was that the, was that the first one of the new one? I think so, yeah, because that's got Ren in it. But uh, like that one was well done while J.J. Abrams was in charge of it. Then he handed it off to somebody else. The Last Jedi was, I thought, very disappointing. It did not really develop the characters very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty worried. I Not worried. It's not like I like, wake up in the middle of the night terrified about what's going to happen to the Star Wars franchise. I'm not that big of a fan. Yeah. But I do think that Disney is treating a good story like a cash cow. And I know last year they had three additional kind of spinoff movies in production. Yeah. Uh, there was, and I know that they released one on Han Solo. They've done one, a kind of a, a background. They've done another background one, but they, they canned some of those because they were already starting to see market fatigue. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really easy for Disney to flood a market with this because the Star Wars universe has so many interesting characters. They could make hundreds of movies and not exhaust the story universe. Mm -hmm. But they certainly could exhaust the willingness of people to actually go to a theater, plunk down between $10 and $20 a ticket, and sit there for three hours, which is what their movies, uh, or between two and three hours. They could exhaust that really fast. They're typically, like the Star Wars movies, from what I remember, are typically like two and a half, three hours, yeah. Well, they've been getting longer is the other problem. I mean, they're, they're, there's, I remember a uh, college professor in uh, Introduction to Theater talking about the generally agreed upon understanding of uh, people's attention spans. You've got yeah. a 20-minute attention span and you've got a 90-minute attention span. And those, yeah. those appeal to two very different kinds of communication. And when you hit, go past 90 minutes, you really have to fight to keep people engaged. Yeah. I think... Nowadays, 90 minutes is where people 
top out because I know for myself, like, unless you give me my favorite movie of all time, which is the Blues Brothers, by the way, for anybody wondering. Oh, great movie. Which is, and like, I have fond memories of that film where I have like four, maybe five, six copies of it. Um, a little obsessive, I know, but it's probably like a two and a half hour movie. I could sit through that, no problem. Nowadays, I have issues. Once it gets past 90 minutes, I'm like, yep. I'm going to bed. Yeah, no, I, I think that's 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 probably pretty common. And I, but at the same time, it does. I, I don't know who Disney is expecting to be their audience. I don't know if they're aiming at younger adults where you and I would fit, or if they're aiming at teenagers. Uh, so and that too comes into the into the story somehow, but. Well, I I think, I don't know. I, I don't work for Disney, but I'm just trying to wrap my head around this from a production standpoint since I, I have worked in production in the past and still do. But I, I would think that like their audience is somewhere in the middle, like somewhere between where you and I sit. But they want the, the younger crowd as well because it's Disney and why not? Like they've always skewed a little younger. Mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. i mean that's just that's just my opinion um yeah. i want to get into a little rapid fire with you though sure so if you could spend a day with either an actor from star wars or someone who worked in their on the produc production or even like a character from star wars who would it be uh, character-wise, would probably be um, character-wise would be Han Solo. He's I think he's the most interesting guy. Uh, working with the show, I would love to spend a day with J.J. Abrams and just talk to him about how to write stories and what he what he sees and how he tries to set up a good story. I think yeah, that would be really interesting. I mean, even from uh, my perspective, where like I'm not the biggest fan, but even to just sit in a room with somebody like a J.J. Abrams and soak in everything he says or everything oh, yeah. he does just to like be that fly on the wall. I'd be like, that's like me. That would be Christmas for me. Uh, he, he builds such complicated narratives. I mean, I know when I was a kid, one of our family TV shows was uh, his show Alias that he did before he moved on to Lost. Yeah. And okay. There's just such complex puzzles in there. I I don't know. I, I still don't know how people like. Do you start with the entire story mapped out in your head, or do you just kind of do a few pieces here and there and make it up as you go? I, I I have no idea. Well, I mean, like I've never worked on big productions like say Alien. Like I've worked in television myself, but I think most of the stuff that I've worked on was like news programs and lifestyle stuff, mm -hmm. like, almost like talk shows. As I mean, even to um, work on a a show, say like an alias or what have you. Um, I would think, from a creative standpoint, like I know certain uh, producers and creators go, "Here's my end game, but let's work back." Like, there's you know where your end is, but how do I get there? Mm -hmm. I think 
I don't I don't know if that's how he goes about it, but uh, that's from my perspective. That's how like some people I know go about. Like, sure, I've already got the end, but how do I get to the end? Um, so how excited are you for the rise of Skywalker? I don't really even know. I, I will probably, I'll go see it just out of a desire to have seen all of them. And honestly, I'll probably go see it in theaters, but yeah. I'll probably see it two or three weeks after it releases, whenever it's convenient. I'm not going to go to like a midnight show or anything like that. Um, I'm a little, I don't like the fact that they have made Luke into this uh, sort of almost anti-hero who's like regretting some of the things that he's done. So I, I don't really know where they're going to go from here. I mean, and it's the, it is the danger of this kind of serial approach. I, I don't know where they have room to go. That's going to, that's not going to be repetitive from what they've already done in the story, but that's also going to be in continuity with what they have done in the story. So I guess I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I would like to think that the last movie was pretty bad, but bad movies in the middle of trilogies are pretty par for the course. The original trilogy, the, the central movie, is usually viewed as the weakest of those three. So maybe this last one will really just nail it. And if we're dreaming about a perfect world, which I know is not quite what you asked, but if it was a perfect world, I would love for Disney to wrap this up and say, and the Star Wars universe is closed. Yeah. No more movies, it's done. And then it would make perfect sense to me for them to then put all the Star Wars content on the new Disney streaming service yep. and make that the way to get Star Wars stuff from here on out. I, well, I think that that would be the perfect way to do it because, I mean, what is it? The, the Disney Plus is launching about a month and a half before the movie comes up. Hmm both um here and I, i'm assuming you're in the states yeah yeah i'm in north carolina okay so uh, like it i'm a i think that would be perfect um granted like are you surprised that lucas sold out to disney at all not really because i um i'm blank on the name of the scholar i was referencing earlier the one who uh, came up with this whole hero's journey Mm -hmm. idea i'm gonna google that real quick but um i i'm not surprised at all that uh he would sell that out i i don't have a ton of respect for that particular way of viewing mythology anyway so somebody who would uh joseph campbell that's the guy's name that i'm thinking of okay. so anybody who is already a disciple of joseph campbell i i'm not surprised that he would sell his production studio i'm also not I mean, I don't really necessarily fault him for that. Um, I, I let him, I mean, he, but it's not like he was out of money or anything. So I don't really know why, but I, it just does seem, it just seems kind of odd in, in one way to, to turn over creative control of your entire universe. But it does suggest to me that he, he's not nearly as attached to his universe as some of his fans are. Yeah. Well, I think I heard that, uh, like, for the first film, when he pitched it, I think to uh, Fox, he cut his own director's fee down to like $150,000. But like, this is the genius of a George Lucas. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll cut my director's fee down, but I get to keep all the merchandising, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they, 
and they agreed to it. So, oh, man. like, he's not hurting. No, no. You know? And the, and the fact that he, um, he sold out for, like, $4.5 billion. Yeah, yeah. He's good for a while. Like, he can basically ride off into the sunset if he wants to. Yeah, which I just – but, I mean, the Star Wars universe itself is not – I mean, it's – I, I like the stories. I don't necessarily consider any of them to be great films or truly excellent stories. I mean, they are all pretty formulaic. They're honestly all pretty predictable. Uh, and they all are, they were made, with being made in the early, late 70s, early 80s, they're already made after merchandising has really changed the art of making movies. Hmm. So the lightsabers, as cool as they are, they're so easy to then turn around and start marketing lightsabers to kids. And all yeah. of the weird, wacky creatures like Yoda uh, or uh, Jabba the Hutt or, or so on, they, they can all become plush toys. Mm-hmm. So uh, part of how I would kind of evaluate that would really look at, I, I don't really know George Lucas's ultimate motivation. Was he trying to create a truly unique world and do it with the best caliber world building possible? I don't think so. If you want something of that nature, I'd turn to Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings books, and then honestly, Peter Jackson's adaptation of the Lord of the Rings. Not his adaptation of The Hobbit, that was terrible, but his adaptation of Lord of the Rings was a fair transition from book to screen. Uh, but I don't think Lucas was doing that. I, I think from the get-go, Lucas did have some, he had some idea in mind, like, wow, we're going to we're gonna ride this, oh, people like this, cool, let's do some more movies. Oh, people want to buy stuff, oh, let's sell them lots of stuff. It's just, and you think maybe he, it's just a stroke of luck? Uh, I, mean, I think an awful lot of movie making is, in fact, stroke of luck. I mean, you can do uh, – I've got a friend of mine who, or a couple of friends at this point who have gone on to master's in fine arts programs, and they're, they're mm-hmm. looking at film from that point of view. Mm-hmm. But there's really still no way to guarantee that a lot of people are going to pay money to see your movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a risk in that sense. I mean, and, and people try to, I mean, we see that, I mean, this whole summer was filled with box office bombs, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix didn't deliver, Men in Black International, which was an okay movie, I thought, but it, it didn't deliver the millions of dollars. The that they wanted, yeah. I mean, it, it, you, you can't quite predict it. And you also can't predict what your competition is going to do. I think Avengers Endgame overshadowed a lot of those other movies. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just with all of that in mind, if you have, if you hit that lucky spot of you've made a cash cow, well, George Lucas rode that thing for a long, long time and rode that into a bunch of other movie franchises. Yep. And it, it, so it doesn't really surprise me that he would sell that off to another company that is looking to reinvent itself for the 21st century. Fair. Well, Josh, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, thank you for enlightening me and, probably like my audience and my listeners on how like where your fandom of star wars started uh, i appreciate your time thanks for coming on the show and um, i'm sure we will catch you down the road all right that sounds great thanks a bunch lee appreciate it well there you have it another episode of the beats and speaks podcast is in the books and episode one of this star wars miniseries is in the books as well Please don't sue me, Disney. I want to thank again my guest, Josh Herring, for coming on and explaining 
where his fandom started, why it started, why the franchise is so popular in an effort to basically help me and my audience understand why Star Wars as a whole is so popular. Josh also has a podcast. It's called What's the Res. You can find out all about that by going to whatstherez.com. I will link that below. But of course, thanks again for tuning in to, to another episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. I've been your host, Lee Dickey. Please comment, like, share, and subscribe. Find us on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify. Write, comment, leave us a review. Find us on YouTube by searching for Lee Dickey TV. Subscribe there. But we will see you all and talk to you all again next Friday at midnight Eastern time for a brand new episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. Of course, I've been your host, Lee Dickey, and I'm out of here. I'm signing off. We'll talk to you later. Have a great one. We'll see you soon. Peace. LeeTDickey.com